You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our podcast content. And you can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We are back. Locked On Packers presses on in the offseason with the combine coming in just a few days and the free agent signing period now looming in roughly a month, and we're going to have a lot of discussions about all of those things this week, next week, and beyond as we get you set for everything that's going to happen in the offseason. We're going to have a discussion a little bit later because Andy Herman and Jack Wepfer are going to be on the show to discuss their position, and I, I got into it again with Andy on Twitter yesterday about their positions on free agency and how they think Green Bay ought to position themselves this offseason. I'm going to go through what I think should be the offseason strategy in terms of free agency, in terms of the draft, and and why I think that way. We're just not going to have time to have those guys on, lay their case out, and for me to make my own case. So I figure I will make my case, I will take the floor, and then I'll bring them on and let them let them say what they're going to say and give them a chance to make their own case. And that'll I think that'll just be better for everyone. But we're going to start today with the coaching staff because we got our first glimpse at all of these guys. They met with the media and we got we got a chance to hear more from Matt LaFleur. We got a chance to hear from Nathaniel Hackett, from Mike Patton, from the coaches who are going to be running the show. And this is a young staff. And I, I know that there are concerns about that. I, I have less concerns about them. I, I, I just I think sometimes being young and being perhaps inexperienced can be a double-edged sword. Yes, you are not as prepared, not as experienced, but you also are potentially less afraid. You don't know what you don't know, and that can be a weapon. That can be useful because you don't know to be afraid. You don't know the pressure. This is, in golf, uh, the thing that, that really can leave you over time is putting because over time, those scars build up. And you failed. You've missed so many putts. It actually becomes, you'd think it would become easier over time that the great putters in pressure moments would would still be great when they're 70 versus when they're 25. That's not true. And this can happen in coaching where you have coaches who they have taken risks and they have failed. And so they have become so conservative or they have, they have adapted early in their careers 
and stopped adapting because of adaptations that didn't work. Those scars can add up. And those pressure moments, those pressure failures can add up. I think in some ways we saw that in Green Bay with Mike McCarthy. So you take this young staff and and maybe they just don't know any better than to have success. And, and as I've laid out before, there is a recent trend. Not just is it possible for a young staff to lead a team to the Super Bowl, Sean McVay just did it. And Doug Peterson just won it. This is, this is happening in the NFL recently. In fact, it's happening a lot recently. And none of those coaches walked into a situation where they had their quarterback already. They had to add them. Now, McVay had Goff, but they had invested major resources in Goff. And when McVay showed up, Goff wasn't Goff. The version of Jared Goff we know now is only the version of, of that guy because of Sean McVay. Now, that's not to say he doesn't have talent. Obviously, he does. He was the number one pick for a reason. But what I'm saying is Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze, they have Aaron Rodgers. They don't have to build someone up. They don't have to create a system in which their quarterback can thrive in order to hide deficiencies. They have Aaron Rodgers. They have Superman. They can build an offense that looks however they want. And what we heard from Nathaniel Hackett was, was particularly telling to me because he pointed out that Matt LaFleur has a system, and it's his system, but that their intention is to be fluid. It is to be adaptive. It is to be reactive. And they're not going to reinvent the wheel. Aaron Rodgers has been really good at a lot of stuff for a long time. It, it doesn't make sense to reinvent the wheel and come in and say, okay, Aaron, you're going to do all of these new and different things, and we're going to take away all of these concepts that you thrived with. You can keep a lot of that stuff and make it look different. And, and this, is, this is that illusion of complexity. You can run the same play concept. You can run outside zone, inside zone, and make it look totally different by personnel grouping, by formation, by pre-snap motion, by, by breaking tendencies of when you're calling those plays, they're not reinventing the wheel. And Nathaniel Hackett talked about that. I mean, his dad is Mike McCarthy's mentor. He is steeped in that tradition. And both Hackett and LaFleur in their press conference made a joke about what is the West Coast offense even at this point? It, it is irrecognizable from what Bill Walsh and George Seifert and Mike Holmgren and those guys were doing in the 80s and 90s. That version of the West Coast offense is not what, what most teams are running anymore. And so you, you have to understand that it has evolved over time. But a lot of those core concepts are still the same. They just are presented differently. So there's going to be some new verbiage, there's going to be some obviously some new plays and and players are going to be deployed in new and interesting ways. But a lot of the core concepts are going to be the same. And that kind of synergy is important to ease the transition. There's also, I think it is pretty clear, someone like Hackett in particular brings a lot of energy and, and you need that. That had been lost in Green Bay. It's pretty clear. 
And the three most important coaches on this staff, LaFleur, Hackett, and Getze, were all quarterback guys. To the point that LaFleur and Hackett, we found out at this press conference, they used to go, when they were both quarterback coaches at the Combine, they used to go and interview quarterbacks in Indianapolis as part of their evaluations. And then they'd talk about, what did you like? What did you? And, and they would grind these guys. That is where their bond formed, over quarterbacks. That is where their relationship was built. And now their relationship with their quarterback fundamentally is the biggest, most important thing they can do is build that relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Well, it just so happens that even though they haven't coached together, they have experience not coaching quarterbacks, but evaluating them, discussing them, and communicating with them. That communication piece is an underrated part of all this. You can be the smartest football coach that's ever walked the earth, but if you can't communicate with your quarterback and you can't get him to understand what you're saying or get him to buy in, it doesn't matter. And anyone who has ever, you know, you have a teacher like this or you have a friend like this or a college professor, they're really smart. And you know intuitively they're really smart. But they can't communicate. They can't teach. They're not good at teaching that thing. They're not good at at presenting that intelligence in a way that is beneficial to others. It's like, you know, all-time great athletes, a lot of them make really bad coaches because they can't explain to you what makes them great. It's just a part of them. Being able to be on the same page is is critical. And Matt LaFleur mentioned it in his press conference. He is going to be running a lot of these meetings. There's going to be a lot of meetings where the position groups, the quarterbacks, the receivers, the offensive line, the running backs, they're going to be together. And they're going to be going over things. I think that kind of um, cohesion across positions is important because you have to understand every part of the play. Sean McVay talks about this all the time. And Matt LaFleur was in that room when Sean McVay did this. You have to understand why everything that's happening in a play is happening. And, And if you do then you're able to run that play with the understanding of how defenses are going to attack you, how the guy across from you might attack you, and how teams might adjust. And that makes it easier for the players to provide feedback. What are they doing? Well, if you don't know why your cornerback is playing you a certain way as a receiver because of the way that the front is and the way that they want a scheme to attack you because of this potential flaw in the blocking scheme, How can you help your coach relay that information and make adjustments on the fly? That sort of communication and understanding is is a result of buy-in. You have to get these guys to buy-in, and and part of that buy-in is building this understanding and this trust with your players. And for no one is that more important than the quarterback. So to have this kind of synergy with the coach and the O.C., Plus, Luke Getze was already a coach on this team. Matt LaFleur said he asked Aaron Rodgers about Getze. Basically, we we don't know the the degree to which that conversation included Rodgers with a sign-off, but LaFleur did say, I asked Aaron, 
And a couple guys who had been in the room, I assume Devontae Adams is one of those guys. Maybe Randall Cobb was one of those guys. What did you think of this guy? What did you think of Getze? And he got the go-ahead. He got the, the thumbs up. So he's already given agency to his players to feel like this is their team. And it's pretty clear that that was not going on with Mike McCarthy. Although he did, you know, we, we, we heard Greg Jennings on this show say Mike McCarthy wanted input from players. And Greg also mentioned that that, that was happening less. Aaron Rodgers hinted that that was happening less. Mike McCarthy himself said that was happening less, and it was one of the reasons why he made a point this year to spend more time with Aaron going over what the game plan was and how they were going to attack defenses. Fixing the lines of communication by bringing in a young staff with new ideas on how to do that and, and guys who are younger and are, are better able to communicate those things potentially with guys that are closer in age, closer in experience. Devontae Adams mentioned a younger coach, mentioned Matt LaFleur's ability to communicate with his players as a result of being a little bit younger, relating to them better. All of these are reasons to look at this and say the, the youth of this staff could actually be a boon for this team. And there are certainly myriad ways where it could be a problem and you might get out coached. That happens. It's going to happen. Uh, but there are also all of these reasons to be excited about it. And especially when you look at the guys who the Packers have put together, this staff with LaFleur and Hackett and their relationship and, and their ability to work cohesively to attack the biggest, most important facet of this team, the quarterback. If you're building a case for why this is going to succeed, that is the case right there. Those guys being able to work with Aaron Rodgers, and as Matt LaFleur said, come at him from all angles. Give him a full court press of coaching, of communication, and have Rodgers buy into this new staff so that they can implement an offense that gives them the best chance to win. At some point, I will lay out what I what I think is an ideal offseason for Green Bay. And, and Jason Hershorn is going to be on the show next week, hopefully, to talk about uh, some of that. And I, I, I did that on, on a show last year, and I liked, I liked being able to reference it because there it is. I, I get asked all the time, who should they sign? Who should they draft? What does your ideal offseason look like? I'm going to dedicate an entire show to breaking that down from free agency to the draft. But when it comes to approach, I think there are some ideas out there about how Green Bay ought to approach their offseason. And as I said, we're going to have Jack Wepfer and Andy Herman on to talk about their perspective on all of this because it's, a, it's an interesting and unique perspective, uh, even if I think they're misguided. No offense to those guys. They do. That's not. You know, we can't. We can't be right all the time. Uh, not everyone is. Most people aren't. In fact, no one is. And there are people out there who think they should go all in and attack free agency and the draft and and add aggressively add blue chip talent. And and I am always for adding talent. I, I think you know. There's there's nothing more important a front office can do than improve the roster. Add 
the maximum amount of talent that you can given your resources and, and add the maximum amount of talent in a way that makes sense from a value standpoint. So add the maximum amount of value relative to cost. Now, that doesn't mean only sign bargain basement free agents. That doesn't mean taking a money ball approach. That means finding players who can make your team maximally better, same as with the draft, relative to their cost. So if you can get Earl Thomas, that's great. Earl Thomas makes your team a lot better. You're going to have to pay top of market safety money to get Earl Thomas. It's going to cost you 10, 11, 12 plus million dollars. And that's assuming he wants to come. But free agency is also a gamble. It is also a risk. And teams who think they can win the offseason rarely win the regular season. Now, the Rams made some big plays. They traded draft capital to get Marcus Peters. They bring in Indomitian Sue. They bring in Aqib Tlaib. They bring in Brandon Cooks. They trade major assets to go all in in a short window, The wind, basically the Jared Goff window. Green Bay is in a similar position with their window. They have three, four years probably of Aaron Rodgers' prime left. If he goes Tom Brady, look, more power to him. Maybe he's got six, seven, eight years left in his prime, and and he's just going to keep doing it. Uh, I don't know. But the chances are he's got a smaller window. That, that does not mean go, quote, all in. The, the point of the offseason is to get better and do that in a targeted way. The best thing that this team can do in the offseason is sign good players and draft good players. That is, all, I mean, that seems easy. And there are, you, you don't want to sign players who are not going to be worth their contract this year or next year or the year after. The Jimmy Graham signing, just a bad deal. Just a bad contract. The Nick Perry contract, a bad contract. Could Nick Perry have lived up to his contract? Yes. Could Jimmy Graham? I, I genuinely don't think so at this point, given what we saw and given the player he looks like at this point in his career, I don't think he could have lived up to that contract. Nick Perry didn't because he couldn't stay healthy, but Nick Perry never stays healthy. So even coming off a huge season, maybe it wasn't the right decision to extend him. Green Bay right now has the opportunity to sign some good players because they have cap space. They should not worry about what their cap situation looks like next year. If you sign good contracts, just sign good contracts. It doesn't matter because if you only have good contracts, and right now Green Bay probably only has two bad ones, Graham and Nick Perry. If you sign good contracts, you're probably going to have a good team. Having a bunch of cap space, you look at the teams recently who have had a bunch of cap space. Most of them were just bad. They just weren't good. And that's why they had all this money to spend and they, and they were able to spend it and they got better. But having a bunch of cap space is generally indicative of having a roster without talent because why do you have all this money to spend? Because you have no players worth re-signing. If you have guys on your team worth re-signing, you have to pay them and then you don't have as much cap space. On the other end of the spectrum are teams like Philadelphia and Minnesota who have capped themselves out 
extending players who are not necessarily worth their contracts. Kirk Cousins is not worth his contract relative to the other players you could get and their costs. So you have to mar- you have to maximize the relative value, the marginal value of these players. If you could sign Earl Thomas at 12 million, how much better does he make your team versus Trey Boston, let's say, at four or five million? How much better does you know pick pick a mark? Let's say one of these marquee pass rushers makes it to the free agent pool. Someone like D Ford. He makes it to the open market. Brandon Graham makes it to the open market. What is their cost relative to, let's say, Zadarius Smith makes it to the open market or Anthony Barr can't command an edge rusher number? I I don't think it's as simple as sign the best player because the best player might cost more money than he is worth to your team. He's not worth the same to every team. He's not. And he's not worth the same to you that he is to a a team that has more cap space or less cap space. The value is different. And just because he's a better player doesn't mean he's worth the difference in money. And so what you need in the NFL is you need top-tier talent, and you need good contracts, and you need depth. You need all of those things. Green Bay tried to to do both last year. They they added Jimmy Graham top-tier talent. They got a first-round pick and a a future first-round pick. So you're adding, those are blue-chip assets and opportunities to add blue-chip talent. They also added on the margins. You add Tremont Williams. You add Bashad Breland. You add these other players who can come in and give you depth to help you when you have injuries because you're going to have injuries. If you build a team that is too top-heavy and then you have injuries, you're screwed. As a team that watched Ladarius Gunter have to start playoff games, Green Bay fans should understand that better than anyone. Let's say you sign Earl Thomas to $12 million contract and he breaks his leg again. If you had signed Trey Boston and you bring back Ibrahim Campbell, and you draft a safety, is that a better plan than having Earl Thomas? You don't have perfect information. You don't know going in that that for sure they're going to be worth the money you're paying them. That money is risky. You're making a bet. Can they live up to that contract? Are they worth the premium you're paying? And are they worth the premium you're paying to this team. We've seen this team devastated by injuries go win a Super Bowl. We've seen this team devastated by injuries thanks to the virtuoso talent of Aaron Rodgers go to the NFC Championship game. Go win playoff games on the road against really good teams with inferior talent because they have Aaron Rodgers. Their money is worth different amounts to them because of what Aaron Rodgers is capable of being, because of Aaron, what Aaron Rodgers is capable of doing. That's not the same as saying don't add talent. Definitely add talent. But just getting competent players at some of these positions would be such a huge upgrade that it could elevate them into a, a place that 
they, they would not have otherwise been last year or the year before. And a upgrade over those guys at three times the price would not elevate them so much further as to be giving up the opportunities to add other pieces and depth that, that give you more insurance and are lower risk propositions. You have to be able to do both. And Green Bay is in a unique position to do that with the cap space. They only need to fill a handful of slots. They need an edge rusher. They need a right guard. And they, and they could use an upgrade at safety. Those are the three big positions. Everything else is luxury. You can, you can sign guys to help you at all three of those spots and still have opportunities and money to get reinforcements, to get depth, to bring back Bashad Breland, to sign Geronimo Allison to a tender, to keep Tremont Williams as depth. You can still do those things and add marquee talent, but add that marquee talent at a number that makes sense Going all in generally means in the NFL signing bad contracts for the short term, aggressively giving up assets to add players, giving up picks to trade for guys. I mean, the Rams had to give up a first round pick to get Brandon Cooks, and then they overpaid him to keep him. I wouldn't have done that. They could have gotten 85% of Brandon Cooks production for a fraction of the price. He, his first round pick and money is worth more relative to his production than someone that they could have gotten at a fraction of the price. So I don't, I don't know who those players are. I don't know what that looks like yet. I can only use the information that I have. But what Green Bay has to be doing is they have to be looking for value. And that, that could be at marquee talent positions. That could be in marquee players. They might be able to find that. But you have to have the opportunities to not only add guys that can make an impact for your team, but guys who can provide insurance, who can provide safety, who can provide reliability. You can't just have the Ferrari in the garage. You need the SUV. You need the minivan. You need those things because you can't drive a Ferrari in the snow. You still need some reliability and, and you still need to plan for the bad weather. So you, the, the, the plan has to be, does this player make the team materially better? And if so, what, how much better relative to other cheaper options? Can he live up to the contract that we're going to sign him to? And, and what is his value relative to someone who might be cheaper? That doesn't mean cheap out. That doesn't mean go the, the bargain basement route. That means find the guys, target the players that are going to maximally improve your roster at a cost that makes sense for you. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, remember that conversation with Andy and Jack coming uh, at some point, hopefully this week, but we, we have to get it scheduled. So uh, my goal is to, is to get it in the rest of this week. Uh, we, will, we will get some draft talk in this week, hoping to have a guest on for that. We'll get to... Jason Hershorn, his triumphant return to Locked on Packers uh, to talk about the offseason, to talk about free agency. And, and uh, it's always good to have Jason back on the show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Uh, send me your questions there. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. 
Uh, if you missed Make a Friend Monday, tell a friend Tuesday. We're on it. Be on it. Be about it. I appreciate it. We are we are growing in the off season as we did last year. So uh, I love that. It seems to me that even though the season is over, and especially because the season is over, fans are looking for that Packers fix. During the season, there's a lot of Packers talk. There's a lot of articles being written. There's a lot of discussions being had. Less so now. So if you found the show recently, welcome. We're glad to have you, and we hope you stick around. We hope you like the show. And if you do, leave a review on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Let other people know why you like the show. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. That's there so you can always stay Locked on Packers.